0: Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. The podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hey everyone, this is Tracy Rubin. Welcome back to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. Today, we're going to speak about money, raises, salary reductions, and everything in between. I've been getting a lot of questions about this on Instagram. We're at the peak of our stress in the middle of this pandemic, approaching holiday season, and we have been doing this for nine months. The word I think that's been most commonly used is unprecedented, and it really is. It's an unprecedented time. When it comes to money and raises everything you know is is very situational just keep in mind as always my thoughts and opinions are of my own thoughts and opinions and they are not reflective of my employers so when we think of money and raises and even potentially salary reductions everything is very situational so just keep in mind that given that my experience is mostly retail my experience might not be an exact fit to yours. However, I think that all of the underlying like elements and facts are pretty transferable and not industry specific. Right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Businesses are not earning the revenues that they anticipated that they would earn in many cases. Again, specifically in retail, It's been tough. All of that is very subjective. I always believe that we as individuals, not speaking from an HR perspective, but actually as an employee, someone who earns a salary, I think it is important to always know what you want, know what you feel you deserve, and not be afraid to ask for it because it is an intimidating conversation. 100% and I know people who are well into their careers and still dread the conversation about money. So let's break it down into three objectives for today. The first is we'll talk about salary and what we feel we should earn and if our earnings don't represent what we feel we should earn, how to go about that. The second topic will be about raises and raises during COVID. And then the third topic will be around salary reductions. According to a study that Indeed did back in 2018, only 19% of employees are comfortable with their rate of pay. When asked to put a number on how much more they would need to feel comfortable, 60% of Americans said that they would need to earn at least $6,000 more per year. There was also a gender gap. 21% of men, and 16% of women felt comfortable with their current salaries. Payscale did a study in 2020 with an uncontrolled group and a controlled group. The uncontrolled group took the ratio of the median earnings of women to men without controlling compensable factors like bonus and commission and things like that, and it showed that in 2020, women are making only 81 cents to every dollar that a man makes. In the controlled group study that they did, which controls job title, years of experience, industry, location, and other compensable factors, there still was a gap. Women in the controlled group made 98 cents for every dollar that a man made. So looking at those statistics, they calculated presumptive raises given over a 40-year career. And they found, again, this is from payscale.com, you can look it up, They found that women in the uncontrolled group stood to lose $900,000 on average over their lifetime. Lost earnings in the controlled group were narrowed to $80,000, but still it's significant, especially if you consider compounding interest invested over the 40 years. So if that 80,000 could have been invested over the span of 40 years, there is still a significant loss. I think this is really an important set of statistics to consider because it's not to say that that women are automatically more disadvantaged than men. However, it is to say that women already in their careers could have been placed at a disadvantage because it wasn't until Equal Pay Day came around through the Me Too movement in 2018 where businesses really started to feel implored, I think, to really narrow that gender gap. So naturally in the controlled study, 98 cents to a dollar, two cents, it's not that much. But when you think of how it could marginalize a person, it is a lot. HBR.org in 2018 released a study that women are less likely to negotiate their salary than men. So unless the business or the hiring manager is implementing strategies to ensure that salaries are fair, equal, and non-discriminatory. If a woman is not negotiating her salary, but a man is, certainly there can be a margin there and a gap in pay that's not necessarily representative of the business being discriminatory or unfair in their practice. There's so much to consider when it comes down to the pay gap. And I think it's very easy for, for us as individuals to say, Women are disadvantaged and women are being paid less to the man because they're women, but I don't know that it's always that. I think that a part of this is that there are so many factors that contribute to someone's salary. If I accept a job and I don't negotiate the salary, but my counterpart who is just hired also or just offered, and he as a man negotiated the salary and it's $5,000 higher than mine, then yes, there's a gap there now, but it's not because the business instituted the gap. It's because I, as an individual, happened to be a woman, didn't negotiate my salary. Of course, those are semantics. We hope that businesses are practicing fair and non-discriminatory practices for determining salaries based on position, experience, etc. But I do think that considering these statistics, it is important to keep in mind all of the elements that contribute to creating a salary. So actually to give you a personal example, when I started at my company, I took a pay cut and I did negotiate my salary, but at the time the value placed on the role was less than the salary that I asked for. And I did negotiate and I didn't negotiate just once. I decided though that taking the pay cut was an investment and that I would eventually make up lost earnings, which I did. That is not a knock on my company. At the time, I was the only HR business partner that we had in our business unit in North America. And understanding the value of that role is part of what determines the salary range. In my case, being the first HR business partner, the value was certainly there. But I don't know that the value in terms of revenue driving and understanding the impact that my role would have on the company overall, I don't think that that was as highly valued potentially as it is now. And so over over the course of my first few months and, and really the first year of being with my current company, I think that I did luckily demonstrate the value in having someone who is a direct connection to the field team, to our retailers, and how that ultimately, I believe, drives profits and revenues. When you look at this from an employer perspective, most employers have salary grids. They're grids that basically say, this is the person's experience, this is the job title, and this is the range in which we're willing to pay based on experience levels. Every company does it differently. In Target, they actually added um, a certain amount of money if you had an advanced degree. All of this is to say that in most cases, companies are very regimented about their salaries. It's actually really hard to negotiate any type of increase unless you have proven skill sets that elevate your level of expertise. So similarly, in my company... We have salary grids and we have external candidates and internal candidates who negotiate their salary. And that's why we have a range. And most companies do have a range to allow for salary negotiations. So as an employee, I would encourage you to keep in mind that some, if a business is telling you we can't go up from here and you've already negotiated, that is probably the truth. However, always negotiate. And in most cases, in my experience, the business is going to match you or at least come close. It's a total loss if you don't negotiate and you just accept an offer and you don't even try to get more. I've even seen, and I've actually done this too, attempting to negotiate vacation time or bonus amounts or in some industries, equity. I've done this before. And in some cases, it works well. Not in every case, because again, sometimes there are structures that are placed around benefits. And I can tell you, those structures are there to protect employees just as much as they're there to protect employers. Because once you get into this realm of exception outside of salary in the benefits field, it can be extremely hard to manage. It's very manual and it creates a lack of consistency and what could be seen as the business being unfair. I want to jump into the second objective of today, which is asking for a raise, especially during this time. Asking for a raise is never too easy because it is or can be an uncomfortable conversation. I always think people should ask for raises. I don't ever assume that my employer is going to give me a raise because they feel I deserve one unless they actually do that before I can get to them. So when it's time for a raise, usually it happens at the end of an annual review period, the start of a year, and we're approaching that start of the year. Hopefully 2021 proves to be everything we want it to be. But you, as an employee, are feeling as though you have earned a raise. My first suggestion to you as now your HR partner, I'm speaking to you as your HR partner, is to consider what you have done that has earned you a raise? Are there qualitative and quantitative measures that you can list out that say to your employer, I have earned this. We are all working two to four jobs these days, at least I am an HR for sure working three jobs and that's okay because we are all doing it and we are all just kind of like in it together to make it work, right? But maybe that's one thing. You're doing multiple jobs outside of the scope of your job because of the need to get through this time on top together. When it comes to asking for a raise, it's critical that you approach this in a strategic, professional, humble way because everything about this conversation is approach. If you have a recurring meeting with your manager, they should know all of the things that you're doing, and they probably are also giving you feedback. So there are certain things maybe that they're telling you they need you to do differently that you can then action on and show that you're doing differently. If you want to get what you want, you have to think of and plan out your approach. So, All of this is to say that you should ask for a raise, but it should be planned, it should be strategized, and it should come from a place of honesty, but also respect. I've seen both sides of the coin. I've seen people ask in a way that's very humble and is very planned out and they have all of their points and their manager is like, you know what? You're right. We do need to look at your pay. Or even in that case of the employee approaching it from the right perspective, the manager might say, listen, I want to do this for you. I want to give you a raise right now. We're not in that place to be able to do that because financially X, Y, and Z. But this is something that I'm going to keep in mind the moment that we can implement an increase to your salary into our budget. I want to do that for you and if you have that established trust and relationship with your manager i would imagine that you would believe them and and i think that if a manager says that i actually would believe them too and i think again this is applicable to every industry it's good to be strong it's good to be it's good to know what you want and to to demand what you want but you attract more bees with honey than you do vinegar so Go into your cabinet, find that honey, plan out how you're going to ask these hard-hitting questions in a way that's respectful and can prompt a conversation versus one that makes the employer feel like potentially you're not a values fit for the organization. When it comes to COVID and raises, I do think it's important for employees to think about the business overall. Certainly, I stand by my statement, you should always ask, but during this time, you should prepare yourself mentally that when you ask, you are going to get a no, and that shouldn't disgruntle you. Like I said, I'm doing two to four jobs on my own. We all are. That's not a complaint, right? It's just a fact. If I were to ask for a raise right now, I would be very prepared for a no, and that's okay. How are we as a business working to retain our top talent. One of the best ways that we can do that is through salary. And so when it comes down to raises, I actually would hope that a business would look at salary or raises on the whole and think about, okay, do we have employees who are either a little bit low on the grid? Maybe they've taken on more and we need to increase them. So from a business perspective or as an HR person, I would actually encourage those who are in these decision making roles around budgets and increasing salaries. I would encourage them to actually look at salaries on the whole, especially for those who have taken on more. Those people should not have to come to us for raises. We should be thinking about how we can incorporate those increases into the budget so that we can retain our top talent by saying, hey, of the budget that we do have, We're investing in you. The final objective of this podcast is to talk about salary reductions. I had a salary reduction during the height of the first wave of the pandemic. And it wasn't just me, of course. And it was significant. I was lucky to have you know, a a bit of a cushion with my expenses. I had just finished my master's degree, so I paid off. Oh, thank goodness. I think about that. I'm like, thank God I had just paid off my final tuition payment, and I had just finished paying off my student loans from college. Thank goodness, because I was basically putting my entire paycheck to both things. But I was lucky because the salary reduction was significant, but it was done to, to allow us to maintain as many active employees as possible while also remaining in a financially secure position. We had just closed all of our store locations because we were in the middle of a shutdown and a lockdown. And we're not the only company that went through this. So if you have gone through a salary reduction or if you have a salary reduction in the future, I mean, who knows if we're going to go through a second lockdown. At the end of the day, it might happen. We might approach salary reductions again. Think about how this impacts your overall compensation. You should probably think about like, what did I lose during that time that I was in a salary reduction? How can you incorporate that in your question for an increase in salary? So maybe each year you expect to go up $2,000 Two thousand dollars, or two percent, or five percent. Can you negotiate that annual increase percentage while also maybe asking for what you lost? I don't know. It's something that I haven't necessarily considered for myself. I I really try to be very pragmatic in these in in these things for myself and when I give advice to others, but. It could be interesting if in 2021 or 2022, we look back on this and we say, hey, I took a $5,000 loss as did everybody else, you know, relatively relative to their salary based on percentage, but I'd like to, I'd like to recoup that money. How can I, how can we do that? Maybe it's through a bonus. Um, Some businesses really prefer to do a spot bonus which arguably is less interesting for you as the employee because you're going to pay more in taxes, but it still places value on what you're saying. And if someone, if a business says, hey, we're going to give you this spot bonus as a way for you to recoup what you've lost, then it still is something. It's overall your income. And what you pay in taxes, you, you hope to get a little something back at the end of the year. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's something to think about. Let me know what your thoughts are on that. I mean, it is what it is, you know, like, did did the salary reduction totally suck? Yeah. But am I, am I stronger for it now? Like, do I get the full picture? Yes. Am I, am I working just as hard? Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, there are employees in my organization that are relying on me to work hard for them. So yeah, I'm going to work just as hard whether or not I had a salary reduction or not. And I would do the same and I would work just as hard now, even if I were on a salary reduction now. So I think a lot of this comes down to the person that you hire too. If you hire someone who doesn't want to work hard, regardless of how much money they make, like you're, you are up a river without a paddle. So, you know, it is what it is. Everyone's different. So to go into our little advice segment, which I have gotten... Such rave reviews on. Everyone seems to love this portion the best. So I'm really glad. I want to answer a question around when is it the right time to leave? And my answer to you and to that person who asked is the right time is when it's the right time for you. There's always that sense of loyalty to a company. I think most of us probably feel loyal to the companies that we work for or to the people that we work for. And it's hard to think about making a change. Yes, leaving the culture that you might love could feel really hard. And it is going to be really hard. But if you are exploring a new opportunity, a new industry, a company that's offering you something different, you could bring that culture that you love so much to that company. As an employer, I hate seeing top talent leave. I hate getting the email or the call or the text that someone has resigned because there's so much invested in those employees. But at the same time, and I always say this during exit interviews, we want you to be happy and successful no matter what you do. And if it's not here or it doesn't feel like this is the right fit, that's okay. Is it regrettable turnover? Is it turnover that we wish we could have prevented? 100%. But on the individual level and connecting and understanding empathetically, everyone has to do what feels best for them. So if you are considering making a change, I encourage you to really lay everything out. Don't think just like with a one track mind. Don't just say, oh, they're paying me more. So it's worth it to go. If you're completely unhappy at a company, you should leave. It is not beneficial to you or the employer, for you to continue in the role that you're in at that organization, because everyone, including yourself, is going to be miserable. So if you are miserable at your company, start the job search today. It is never worth staying at a company that you hate. I don't know about you guys, but I love Thanksgiving, and I don't know what it's going to be like this year, but, you know, it is what it is. Last week, I told you that I really love plants. I also really love Beyonce. I just love her so much. So if you know Beyonce, if you're listening and you know Beyonce, please do something for me. Throw me a bone. I literally go through life thinking about if I were to meet Beyonce, what would I do? And Every scenario results in me passing out, and <laughs> I don't know. I really hope that I'm more poised than that, but you know like what do you do when you meet royalty yeah, so if you- if you know Beyonce, just let her know I exist. Just tell her about me. That's all. If we can't meet, I get it. but just let her know I'm here. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you all have a wonderful week. We are approaching thanksgiving and i am going to have a thanksgiving like week episode so there will be an episode on the 24th but i just want to extend my gratitude today on this episode for keeping me going every single day and week that i sit down to record i find more and more joy in doing this so it's been a really fun passion project so far Um, And I'm looking forward to having a little Thanksgiving episode and um, talking about some more exciting topics along the way. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram, on LinkedIn. My Instagram is hrtracy, that's H-R-T-R-A-C-I. On LinkedIn, my name is Tracy Rubin, so T-R-A-C-I-R-U-B-I-N, no E's in my name. And you can go to my website at hrtracy.com. We really try to make it consistent over here. Please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And please reach out if you have any questions or topic suggestions. I love the discussion that this has inspired. So please keep it coming. Thank you guys so much. See you next week.